Welcome to another episode of the two-on-one podcast with Adam and Alex. Alex, we are back. Hi, Adam. Hi, Alex. How are you? Tired. Why is that? Um, the Leafs. You know how it is. Yeah, tough, tough last few minutes in that game last night, eh? Yeah, long night. But you know what? It's not like everything horrible happened last night because a miracle happened last night as well. Sure. The Montreal Canadiens beat Satan themselves in the New York Islanders. Finally. Feels really good. I was After really eight games. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And they're somehow ahead of the lease in the standings. Yeah, I, I don't know how. But. Which shows how embarrassing parts of Montreal and Toronto's uh, year have been, hasn't it? But uh, anyway, Alex, you know how we start the show. It's the power hour. Who's it sponsored by? Uh, no one. We're working on it. <laughs> so, Alex, I thought the first thing we talk about in the show is something that broke not long after we recorded last episode. But Zach Wierenski, shoulder injury. He's out for four weeks, it looks like. Big loss for Columbus. Too bad. That is a that is a big loss for Columbus, just because their defense is, I I would say, is their bright spot. Other than Pierre Luc Dubois, I don't look at that lineup and say, "Wow." Other than that back, other than their uh, back end, right? Do you think? I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now, but. You know who always has this sense of the Blue Jackets are going to do something really quickly? It's Jeff Merrick. He always seems to think that, you know, watch out Columbus, they're going to do something big. Do you think they could get Taylor Hall? Okay, so, and I and I know why he says it, because he they were a team that was interested in Mitch Marner, and I believe they sent him an offer, but he did not accept it. I don't know if Taylor Hall is someone they go after unless they can get confirmation that he is going to sign in Columbus. Because if you look at the standings, I don't know if they're a playoff. Like, I guess they if they make a push with Taylor Hall, maybe they can hit a wild card spot. Because I think the Metro is turning out to be a lot more competitive than we thought, right? When we made our season predictions, we said there's a possibility that both the wildcard spots could be taken by uh, Atlantic teams. And I don't know if that necessarily that's the case anymore. I don't think it's worth it for Columbus to make a trade for Taylor Hall be unless they're confident in him signing long term. Well, if they did, it is Yermo Kekalainen, and he does have balls the size of the Death Star. Yes, yes. Another Star Wars reference, number one. Anyway, though, another injury that we found out about not long ago, uh, as in today, not long ago, Jared Spurgeon, more like. Jared Hurton is out for two weeks, upper body injury, sustained last night against the Florida Panthers. Uh, I mean, a- another loss for a bottom-dwelling team that uh, the only bright spot of their team is one forward and their back end. 
Yeah, this this it honestly it's only getting worse for this team. It it really is because they're that they're that team that is still in the middle. I don't know if they're necessarily a playoff team and I don't know if they're I don't think they're a bottom team, bottom four, bottom three team. And that's probably the worst place for that for them right now, because they should be should really bottom out. They should just say screw it and just bottom out. But that doesn't seem to be the case. That has been what Minnesota should have been doing for I mean longer than I have been a fan of this game. And it doesn't make sense, like the Matt Zuccarello signing. I never really understood. No, that was dumb. It, but he has a lizard tongue. Yeah, he has a lizard tongue. I, I still don't get the uh, Fiala and Granlin trade. It's like they were starting, right? Like that Fiala trade, you're getting younger. But they just, it just really didn't turn well for them. That was a dumb trade the moment everyone saw it. And then... They traded Charlie Coyle and brought in Ryan Donato. Which at, at the time looks like a fair enough deal, but uh, it not, has looked Not worse. now. Oh, no, it's so terrible. It looks like they were trying to get younger. But it's like they just couldn't do it properly. I don't think it was them getting younger. I think that was Paul Fenton thinking that he knew more than he did about Kevin Fiala. And on the other side, David Poyle being like, oh, hello there. Right. I don't know. It, it's going to be messy because we talked about it last week, right? They could potentially blow it all up if they wanted to, right? You, you thought that the Jared Spurgeon deal was tradable. The Parise and Suter deals, that's like those aren't tradable. So those are stuck to you for a while. But they have pieces that you can – potentially trade you can look at trading jason zucker you can look at trading eric stall some i don't know if you get rid of someone like jonas brodeen that that might be someone montreal could be potentially looking at a left-handed defenseman you never know miko koivu once he comes back is he hurt now he's i think he's day-to-day Oh, okay. The other Koivu is how I like to call him. But anyway, moving on out of the injuries, uh, we have some fines coming out of player safety here. Uh, I thought I had here, Alex, that we're going to wait on Eric Cernak, but I don't think we're here. Nothing but Eric Cernak. Did you see Eric Cernak's elbow? Yeah, I I did. I thought it was freaking ridiculous. And he's not even getting a fine. And this is a guy who got suspended how long ago? Not even a month ago? Not even a month ago. And that's not even... I don't even know if that was the worst one. I I think the worst one of the three that you put down, which was the Evander Kane fine, the Ryan Johansson fine, and then you had the Eric Cernak. Eric Cernak, we're just assuming not even getting a hearing. Evander Kane got fined the maximum, which was like $5,000, for elbowing Radko Gudis. Someone who got suspended earlier this year is Evander Kane. Which there was intent to injure. No question. 
No question you watch that and, and can't tell me that there's no intent to injure. It's ridiculous. It's the same. Like, I could sit here. I could just replay. I can insert the m- clip of me yelling. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, what are they? What do they want to do? Is it a here's here's something they always talk about with Tom Wilson, that Tom Wilson can get away with doing the small things because the NHL uh, Department of Player Safety doesn't want to suspend him for for a low amount of games. They're waiting for him to do another huge thing so they can suspend him 25 games. They don't think that they can suspend him small, give him small suspensions. It's ridiculous that they're right. Evander Kane was was uh, suspended earlier this year for three games. So if he gets suspended again this season, how many games do they have to give him? Probably at least uh, at least five. Well, okay. For the imagine he didn't get suspended. How many games would you give if you would? How many games would you give Evander Kane? Uh, well, I'm looking at it right now, and. It's not even really an elbow. I'm look like looking at it. It's more he kind of like uses his hand. I, I don't call it when. Let me see this this other angle here. He more like hits him with the, his fist. It's it's still clear intent to injure. I, you know, like they have this weird thing in the NHL that oh a kicking motion even though someone uses their groin, or it's definitely suspendable and it's definitely intent to injure there. So like it, there. That's like to me at least three games. Like he, he hits the guy in, in his in his face with his glove. Like come on. Okay, so, and taking into account that he was suspended earlier this year, would you still give him three games, or would you give him something else? I'd give him at least five. You give him at least five. I I saw. I, I don't they were talking about hockey central I I haven't listened to it yet but I saw the clip on Twitter that they'd give him five to six he should get five to six games which the fact that they only find him it, it I again question the Department of player safety and what their role is and, and you can tell it's clearly them they don't want to punish him because they know they have to make an even bigger suspension than the last one. And that's an issue. Just because you don't wanna, you know, punish the guy even worse. Like you have to punish him, otherwise people get away with stuff. Right. Now the Ryan Johansson one, I saw it and at first glance, I wasn't 100% sure on it because it looked like he was just twisting his body. But if you look at it multiple times, you kind of get the sense that there might be he was looking for his head. I'm not sure if you've seen the, the I hit. have seen the Ryan Johansson one. And the big thing with me and Ryan Johansson is he, he is a bit of a prick. And you notice he doesn't go for the puck until after he's done the elbow. Yes, this is slowed down, but you got to think that's pretty interesting. He goes for the contact before the puck. Right, and I don't. I think he got two minutes. I don't think he got the five minute. I don't think he got the major. I no, know his contact. I know that. Oh, he did get. I know Evander Kane got the five minute. The five Just, minute major. There's a tweet from uh, the scrum. It said, Ryan Johansson is frustrated as uh, Thing fans that his penalty was a game misconduct and that Eric Cernax was not. So Cernak didn't even get a misconduct. Oh, my God. So, yeah. 
it, it's it, again. I don't. I'm not going to yell about it because I already did my spiel. I think I can clearly question what the Department of Player Safety is doing and what their intent is here because we're being told that head hits are bad. At the end of the day, it's not even the, me and you complaining about head hits. It's science, right, Adam? It's science that's telling us head hits are bad. Yeah. But we're not allowed to take we're not allowed to take this type of stuff away from the game because it's hockey culture. It's the old way of playing hockey. Well, I'm 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 already riling myself up. I'm not going to get into it. Well, but you get where you get where I'm going at, right? It's it's a little it's ridiculous that not no one does anything. No consistency consistency and there's no and even in cases when you end up going to um, a mediation in that, there isn't even the, any president to set. That's the biggest problem. No consistency, no president. President, sorry. So that's that, a big problem with player safety, that. It feels like every show we say something bad. But how about we move on to something a bit more positive? Please. Um, Alex Burrows, who is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is actually now an assistant coach in the AHL uh, for the Laval Rocket, the Montreal Canadiens' uh, 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 AHL team. Uh, nicknamed the Dragon Slayer. You know Alex Burrows, because back in his Vancouver days, scored all the big OT game-winning goals. He's been added to Vancouver's Ring of Honor. Happened last night. Uh, congratulations to Alex Burrows. That's pretty wicked. Uh, some of the, have you seen some of the names on the, that Ring of Honor? I haven't, but I can imagine some of the names. I will read you some because I have it up. Uh, we have Pat Quinn is there. Matthias Oland, who, of course, before was for before. Um, I can't I can't remember. His name. He used to be Vancouver's leading defenseman for points was Matthias Oland. Uh, you have some other guys there who like their former highest scoring centerman, Thomas Graydon, before, you know, your guys like Sedin's and that. So it's all their former legends. You know for a fact that the Sedin's are going to be up there. Some people were giving him a lot of... They weren't actually happy with Burroughs getting in there because he's not, you know, your 50-goal, 100-point player. But, like, well-deserved. He was part of that team. And the fan base just loved him. Yeah, he's the guy you love to have on your team but hate to play against. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. But hey, you love to see it, right? Moving on, we have another great story. Mark Borbieski is now a RoboCop to a lot of people. This oh, is oh, so okay. funny. So let me get this up here. Basically, he was just chilling around. He, there's a like a you a good three minute video about this. So Buddy's going around RoboCop. Here it is. Mark Borieski is returning calls from Vancouver police who require his statement after he foiled a robbery yesterday by clotheslining a guy, like, you know, wrestling, hit this guy's off a bike, who had stolen a bag. He then wrestled him to the ground to retrieve the bag. So the way he tells the story is he was across the street. He sees this guy trying to get, like, he sees him break a window, try and pull out this big hiking bag. And, and Borieski's like, you stop it, dude. And he slowly, like, starts walking and running towards the guy. The guy gets on his bike after getting the bag out. And Borieski just rips him off the bike. He doesn't hit him too hard because he would even, you know, because you don't want to beat the crap out of somebody for no reason because he legal ramifications. But really funny. So the thing is, is that 
it, he was talking about it. I, I saw the um, the scrum with him and he was like, yeah, the guy was like riding his bike, like riding his bike towards me with the bag. So <laughs> this guy, Mark Boreski is huge. He's a big guy. What go? What goes through your mind and says, you know what? I'm going to ride towards him. He was asking for it. He looks like he's been in a good couple fights, too, when you look at Mark Boreski. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alex, That's did, funny. did you want to know something really awesome that I found out? Tell me. Did you know that Chewbacca has a son? Yes, you told me. And he's canon. His name is Lumpararu. This, this, this is canon, ladies and gentlemen. So when you go and see The Rise of Skywalker in a few weeks, don't be surprised if a baby Wookiee is there because I am not kidding here. This is canon. This is real. Chewbacca has a son. Which means, yes, he is also married to a, 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 a female Wookiee named Malatobak. So please know Chewbacca has a family, ladies and gentlemen. But that's anyway... Awesome. I think that's the second Star Wars reference. I tried to get another one in there earlier, but I, I you know, plenty of time. Uh, did you know that Connor McDavid and Leos Dreisaitl are cheat codes? Yeah, it's ridiculous. So the other day they bit, they hit 50 points in the same night. McDavid since then is up to 51. Uh, 101 points to two players, and we're only on in December December 4th. That is, uh, that is something else. That's incredible. I really want to know what the. Uh, I want to know how many po- like how many points do you think they could hit? They could hit a hundred and thirty. Without a, I, I think if they hit under one hundred and thirty, it's a disappointment. <laughs> oh man, that's that's crazy. You want to talk about point scoring ridiculousness? Let's talk about goal scoring. Pasternak's already at twenty five. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean. Okay, I know Nathan McKinnon has the best contract by far. Biggest deal. I don't think there's a question about it. Is David Pasternak close behind him? So, I'm just going to quickly look. So, remember this for me, Alex. 6.6, four years. And Nathan McKinnon, by the way, I hate how Colorado has so much cap space. Why McKinnon, also four years, 6.3. So, it's about 600K more, sorry, um, what am I thinking, Alex? So, yeah, McKinnon has about 600, 300K less than Pasternak, but at the same time, they have the same amount of terms. So, like, McKinnon still was the better deal. Oh, McKinnon Pasternak, by far. But Pasternak is also like, very closely the second best contract in the league. I can't think of anyone other than Nathan McKinnon who has a better contract than David Pasternak right now. No, there's there's not many people out there. He is crazy. I mean, Mitch Marner's got to be close. No. No, he's <laughs> not. No, he's All not. Right. Uh, before we get, I want to save Mark Crawford for the end of the power hour. But, Alex, I want to ask you, do you love fan fights as much as I do? I think they're hilarious. So, I didn't know there was an Islanders one. I knew about the one in Boston, but what's this about the Islanders? There was a fan fight in the, in, like, in the arena during a game. Like, it was, there was, like, everyone's, it was between two people, but, like, everyone was involved, and you could see 
at the end of the video, there's just a guy sitting there just staring and laughing. I, and- I have it up now. You might have heard my computer go off for about a second. There is a saw. There are. This is like half a section. Oh my god! This is some guy's getting half a shirt ripped off. Oh my god! This is brutal. Wow. Islanders game. Oh my god! But you see at the end the the guy who's just sitting there. Oh. Do you notice him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, He's just sitting there. there. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's intense, man. Of course, the Boston one was just this. There was no physicality. There was just this woman. I guess she got her mustard and some. And so, sorry, her coat and some mustard. She was getting upset, and that guy just kind of laughed at her. Just, I love fan fights. Well, that's what happens when you have the smallest seats in the world. Did you? Did I ever tell you about the the drunk dude I saw right. get taken out by security when I was at a Habs game? Really. Yeah, I was I sit in the three hundred, right? And I'm looking down, I'm like, you know, plays going on, the Habs are up by two goals, I think. I can't remember who they were playing. And you just see this dude, right? You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but there are about seven or eight security guards trying to drag this guy out of the building. It is amazing. <laughs> like respect That's to the guy, because he is holding on, right? Like there are a lot of lot of bigger dudes at that that are security guards, but they he was. Uh, it was. It was pretty funny to watch. It's, it's all I'll say. Uh, Alex, I want to ask you something. Go ahead. Can you tell that St. Louis are injured right now? No, I would have uh, never guessed. But apparently, they're looking to add. Thirty-one thoughts came out about an hour before we recorded. Thank God, Elliot Friedman. Uh, they are willing to go all in. They think they can do it again. Can you imagine if they say this good by the time all their players get back from injuries? Now, the reason I bring them up is I want to ask you, how good are they going to be when Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Taylor Hall are aligned? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. I thought Tarasenko wasn't coming back this year, or at least until the playoffs. Yeah, I know, but it would be a thing. Oh, no, I Stop think he'll it. be back for the playoffs, but like he won't be. there won't be a lot of regular season time. By the time he's back, but I mean, is, no, no, I made this may be silly, but could you see a situation where they trade? Not Petrangelo. I was about to say Petrangelo, but that's dumb. Is there any sort of way? Maybe it's Vince Dunn or 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 just. Well, wait, why, why? Right, why go? Why say no to Petrangelo? If you okay, if they're going all in. It makes no sense to lose Petrangelo. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. You have Justin Falk and Colton Pareko. That's your that those are your top four on the right side. Mm-hmm. If you trade Petrangelo and you think you can get and you can re-sign Taylor Hall. Well, another you, fact we're thinking of is Petrangelo is a free agent, and what are the odds he stays in New Jersey? <laughs> Right, that's another thing, which are probably low. Yeah, at at this point, and we'll get to New Jersey in a little bit. But yeah, they're bad. Oh God. But uh, anyway, a few more things here. I wanted to get before we talk about Crawford. Just one more thing, Alex. I want to ask you because obviously the Leafs game, Jamie McLennan was doing uh, color for it. So I want to ask you, who are some of your favorite commentators in the league today? 
So I split it up uh, for play-by-play and color commentator. For play-by-play, by far, I think it has to be Joe Bowen. And he, I mean, he only does radio, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, for color, it has to be between Jamie McClellan and Ray Ferraro. That's pretty much it. That's a solid. That's a solid shout for me. It, I, uh, Brian Mudrick's been doing the TSN games for Montreal since John Bartlett left uh, Sportsnet. Uh, fortunately, during this losing streak, John Bartlett's actually got to call a lot. You know, it's really funny. Montreal have been getting a lot of the games all of a sudden, but it happens in their losing streaks. They got a lot of John Bartlett calling their games because obviously the Leafs get the big ones and they get Jim Hughes in, but John Bartlett's always been the big, like, I really, really liked him. Uh, yeah, Brian Mudrick. Color guys for me, it's always, yeah, it's been Ray Ferraro and Mike Johnson, in my opinion, is super underrated. Uh, of course, we both love Gary Galley, don't we? Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark Dumont gave, had my favorite tweet of last week, but he said sometimes less is more when it comes to color commentary. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to upset you. What? No, nothing. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Why? Why would you call me? Because no upset. Because you you texted me again that you got him again. Yeah, if there's something I never. And too, you weren't happy. I get really excited when all of a sudden I hear like when I hear John Partlett Tara talk. I'm like, let's go, John, my boy. But then like you hear Gary Galley and you're like, oh no, it's not good when you hear the color guy talk more than the play by play guy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Alex. This is I know, be, Adam, quickly before we get to Mark Crawford, mm-hmm. can we just say a huge congratulations to Matt Stajan? Oh, yeah, you're tired. I know his, like, nephew, like, or whatever. Leafs legend, Matt Stajan. Daniel, is that you? Leafs legend. I remember watching Matt Stajan. He was part of the Dion Phaneuf deal. He's got a good name. I remember when he got traded. I didn't believe it. But was was he part of the FNUF trade? Yeah. Yes, he was. That's pretty jokes. <laughs> hey, don't be mean to him. Well, I, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. But he played a thousand ga- thousand and three games and four hundred and thirteen th- points. It's a thousand and three more than me and you ever will. That is true. So, hey, so there's been, it's a good thing we've left this for last because this is basically, it could be a segment on its own, Alex. And that is Mark Crawford, of course, uh, you may know him as, he was former coach of the Colorado Avalanche when they won the Stanley Cup, Peter Forsberg, uh, Joe Sackett, you might have heard of those guys, they were pretty all right, from what I hear at least. Um, And obviously he spent some time with Ottawa, he's been here, he's been there, I believe he actually coached Austin Matthews in the Swiss League. Uh, when he played for the Zurich Lions, Mitch Marner played for them. And some almost, stuff almost. coming out about him. Sean Avery, who I I cannot understand that man, talked about how apparently he kicked him during a game. There's also been a gentleman, Harold Dugan, who I've never even heard of before, said, called out um, Crawford as, you know, the worst person I've ever like had as a coach and Right now, he's an assistant with the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks have announced that right now, Mark Crawford will be away from the team as they conduct a thorough review based on the recent allegations that have been made uh, regarding his conduct with another. Oh, sorry, with another organization. 
So there's the drunken stuff. There's Sean Avery, who since then has come out and kind of gone against it and saying that he loves Crawford and he should have kicked my ass, is was a quote. Patrick O'Sullivan talked about Crawford's physical abuse in his book four years ago, and stuff is only being done now. Now there's Swift Current, which I'm assuming we'll talk about a little later, Alex, but there's also the coaches PA. We just have a whole mess of stuff with Mark Crawford. So where do you want to start with this? I guess why don't we just start with the Sean Avery stuff? And I think I think this this topic we're going to be talking about. There's going to be something new coming at least like every week. And I think I said we had the big discussion an episode or two episodes ago. But I said we're going to see it now, and everyone's been saying it. We're going to see a lot more players and whoever else start coming out because now they know what's going to be done but there's still a problem there's there's still a problem there's the thing is i don't think we're going to hear a lot from players who are currently in the game i think we're going to hear a lot from players who are outside of the game who have been retired or are playing in Europe, or anything. They're not really a part of the game anymore. That's who we're going to hear from. So, Sean Avery. We've heard from Sean Avery. We've heard from Patrick O'Sullivan. Right? Look at the players we've heard heard from. No, None of them are in the league, except Mitch Marner. But Mitch Marner didn't say it himself. It was brought to him. Right? So that's an important thing that we have to keep in mind is that we're not going to hear a lot of this stuff from current players in the NHL. No. Now, do you want me to read the coaches association statement here? You can, but I I didn't get a lot of a lot from it. So first of all, I didn't even know the coaches association was a thing. Um, until last night. So here's a, a little thing about them. So they say, hem, hem. we believe the NHL is a league built on hard work, respect, and teamwork. It is a coach's job to understand how best to motivate players while respecting them as individuals and valuing them as people. Coaching philosophies differ from coach to coach and season to season, but... There are lines that cannot be crossed, and there is certainly no room in the NHL or anywhere else for abusive behavior of any kind. The National Hockey League, including management, players, and coaches, have evolved, and the NHLCA is committed to working with the NHL and NHLPA to ensure respectful working environments for everyone. Now, Alex, I don't look at that statement as anything special, but do you know who are key members... I'm sorry, I accidentally trashed something on my computer. I know I did that a lot last episode, sorry. But do you know who some of the head people of the Coaches Association are? I know one member of the executive committee is Mike Babcock. Oh, hold on, sorry. Uh, I know also Bill Peters was part of it. He was. was. I don't don't think he's part of it anymore. Also, um, (laughs) I believe that... Mike Sullivan is also part of it. So 
it's just it was very funny to see that oh who are key parts of it it's babcock it was another hockey canada guy in bill peters it's just it's very very funny to me i have the executive committee here right now uh this is from their website uh craig barube pete DeBoer, mike babcock paul maurice claude julian Ray Bennett, Bill Ranford, and Blaine Forsty. So, listen, that statement was clearly just a very general statement. To me, it doesn't stay, say a lot. To me, it's the bare minimum of what that association should do. So, that statement doesn't it's it's a very general statement if you re, if you if you think about it. It's what we it's like a description of what that that association is doing. It's good that they let everyone know that they're still there. That's that's great. But there's not a whole lot I got from that specific statement. Now since we're on the league uh, the NHL, the NHLPA. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the Ray and Dregs podcast, but there, this is what Ray Ferraro made. It's called the Hockey Charter, Ray's Code of Conduct. There are six parts to this. I'm going to read them very quick. So this is what should happen. This is what should be going on. An annual seminar during training camp. GMs, coaches, and the players participate. The participants have to sign a code of conduct, and there should be there should be a refresher course during the season. The seminar will evolve on an annual basis, and there should be an independent body to hear complaints. I think that's exactly what the league needs. We talked about last week about what's the first step you have to take, and it seems to be Ray Ferraro has sat down and figured out that next step, which is really nice to see. Yeah, and and I think that's exactly what needs to happen. I don't know if it's going to necessarily happen the way we think it's going to happen. Now, we know the league... Uh, the commissioner and Bill Daly have sat down with Akimalu, and it seems like there was some type of progress. Uh, and there, they said Akimalu said he's he believes there is going to be some type of change happening within the NHL based on the meeting he had. So that's good to see, and I really hope not exactly like this, obviously, but something similar to this should be implemented because it is. It is a problem. And the one thing that I think needs to happen, if they don't want, if they're not going to put a seminar or some type of course, they need to have an independent body to hear complaints. I think that's the most important thing. And that's the bare minimum the league needs to have, whether that's run by the NHL or it's most likely to be run by the PA. But it's something that needs to happen or else people are going to, it's just going to stay silent. And it's going to end up like this, where people are coming out 10 years later or 15 or 20 years later. We want things need to be known now. Whether those complaints become public, I don't know if that's my biggest concern. Sure, it's great as a, 
to know what's going on behind the scenes. But as long as those complaints are getting to the right people and those people are doing something about it, that's the first step for sure. It's also good to see that this is happening more than just at the NHL level. Uh, this is happening in the CHL as well. An example of this, uh, the Swift Current Broncos, who uh, were actually part of the Memorial Cup, I believe, two years ago. Uh, statement here, the Swift Current Broncos have released head athletic trainer and equipment manager Jamie LeBanc. Effective immediately, the decision was made following re- revelations of a recent pattern of demeaning and derogatory comments, threatening behavior, and unprofessional conduct that is inconsistent with the values of the Swift Current Broncos, all that type of stuff, and normal media speak. So it's good well, to know what's happening down in the CHL, too. Because and- the Malou stuff all started with his time in Windsor. So if we want to really get the root of the problem figured out, it needs to happen in the CHL as well as the NHL. It has to happen everywhere. And at the end of the day, I don't think it's, yes, sure. It starts with the NHL and the CHL, but at the end of the day, it comes back. It goes, has to go up to hockey Canada and it has to go up to the U S what I'm not sure what the U I'm assuming U S hockey. It has to go all the way up there because you think you have to look at the process of getting to the NHL. It all runs back to Hockey Canada or U.S. Hockey. So it needs to be instilled there. It's great that the NHL is doing it because you know what? That covers uh, 31 head coaches and whatever amount of assistance and managers and equipment staff and behind the scenes guys it covers all that but players are going to experience it before they get to the nhl from the chl even before the chl so it needs to go farther at the end of the day it needs to go farther than just the nhl and the chl but i think what they're doing is a good start. Mm-hmm. Well, and, Alex, see, sorry, go ahead. No, and then we'll see what happens with uh, Akeem Alou and the meeting between uh, him and the league. And we'll see where it goes from there. Of course, you said this is a story we're going to, we're probably coming back to this more and more throughout the season. It's definitely not done. More stuff will come out for sure, but. Uh, to finish off the power hour, Alex, what is your read of the week? So, since we're talking about coaches, this is from NHL.com. It is by Rob Cookson. It is called Game Day Routine, Crucial for Coaches and Players. And it just goes, it just takes a look at the busy schedules for coaches and players and behind the scenes type things of what goes on. If you want to see a crazy schedule, Alex, I'm sure you remember this, or a routine for players, look up Jack Eichel's. His is so weird. (laughs) Yeah. But, Alex, that concludes the power hour. It's time to get to the your? How about your read of the week? Oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, Yeah, yeah, mine, I'm actually, I think this is the first time I'm not doing an athletic article. Mine's a Sportsnet read by uh, Elliot Friedman, and it's it's 31 Thoughts. Oh, my God. Taking the easy (laughs) way out. Yeah, yeah. Taking the easy way out. 
Yeah, I won't, I won't lie here. There's also an article from Sports that's aired angles. He talks about the importance of Shea Weber. Uh, talking about last night's game, of course. We're going to talk about it more later, but it was the 100. Today's the happy birthday to the Montreal Canadiens today. They played, uh, they uh, turned 110 years old as of today. And they had all the captains there yesterday. And of course, who gets the empty netter to put the game away yesterday? It's Montreal's 30th captain in Shea Weber. So that's also an article. Eric Angles, go read him. But Alex, we're going to start the show off really right here. Cold open. Dude, 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 dude. That was the 31 Thoughts theme I tried to sing. I don't know what I was doing there. Uh, puck off off the ringer, right? But anyway, Alex, I want to start the main part of the show off with a pop quiz. It's not really a pop quiz because you told me we were going to have a quiz yesterday. Well, I, I told you you might have a pop quiz. You might not. Okay, so you basically told me there was a quiz. So, Alex, here's how the quiz is going to. This is the Adam Fluge Quiz of Knowledge in Institutionalized Gubbins Incorporated. So you're going to have five questions asked of you. Questions one to four are worth one point each. Question five is worth five points. You need okay. five points to win. I have a question. Yes. If a single question is about Star Wars, I'm going to start the first segment. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Listen, the first question, Alex, who is Martin Brodeur? He's a goalie. No, the correct answer is overrated. Moving on. Question no, he's a goalie. Two. He's overrated. Question number two. Who won the 2001-2002 Master Tin Trophy? I don't know. It was Saku Koivu. How am I supposed to know that? I don't know, Alex. Who has the most penalty minutes in the Wait, NHL? what? Wait, wait, what year was that? 2001-2002. Man, I was like a year old. Either way, Alex, who has the most penalty minutes in NHL history? Five, four, three, two, one. Alex, what is your answer? I'm just going to throw one out there. Ty Domi. Uh, no, it's Tiger Williams. Was I close? Uh, Tony. Oh, whatever. But anyway, I, I got Alex, the first two letters right. There's two more questions, right? And I hope that you would at least try and answer them. Question number four: Which Jedi was killed first during nope. Order sixty six? Nope. Star nope. Wars Episode three. Nope. At the Revenge of the Sith. So the uh, New Jersey <laughs> Devils are really bad. Question number five: Who is Adam's favorite Jedi? I don't know. We haven't talked about Star Wars in a while. Well, just take a guess then. Okay, what color would... Oh, wait. One second. What color would you want to be your lightsaber? Blue? Yes. What he said. So, is it Obi-Wan Kenobi? It is not Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's Anakin Anakin Skywalker. That was my second guess. I get one Question number five, Alex. If you get this right, you can still win the game because it is meant... Which Jedi was killed first during Order nope. 66? I don't know. Episode 3. Just take a guess, Alex. There's a I lot of Jedi. I don't take a guess. Boy, was yeah, there's a lot of Jedi. I'm not... No, no. There's like 10,000 at the time before Order 66. Alex, you got 0%. You failed. But anyway, let's start... I don't care. The New Jersey Devils have fired head coach John Hines. What a surprise. Uh, this is after, Listen. I believe, a 7-2 loss to the Buffalo Sabres. They lost again last night, Alex. 7-2. 7-1. So, 
So Ali Nesteriden will be their interim head coach. I just want to read you some stats about the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they are currently, after last night, they are 29th in goals for. They are 30th in goals against. Their power play is 28th. Their penalty kill is 24th. Taylor Hall is the interest with Taylor Hall. The trade talks have ramped up even more. Miles Wood is now on the trading block. Those two, for sure, are from Ellie Freeman, 31 Thoughts. There's rumors that P.K. Subban, we're not 100% sure yet, that is also on the ball. He would assume Wayne Simmons would be there as well, maybe Nikita Gusev. But for sure, right now we know it's Hall and Miles Wood. This was happening for a while, right? We knew it was, we were just waiting for it to actually happen. Yeah, I guess we were waiting for this to happen. It was interesting because it took this long. Because how long has it been? Like, they threw the assistant GM down there uh, as assistant coach. And my guess is when something like that happens, it means someone's on the hot seat. Or they're trying to look at what's going on. And they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Then they brought in Louis Deming. Louis Deming hasn't done anything. Didn't do anything. And then they fired the coach. Now, I don't know if it's necessary. Listen, I look at this team. Could it be the coach? Potentially. It could potentially be the coach. Because we've talked about it before. This team on paper is supposed to be good. At the beginning of the season... Did we not say they would be fighting for a playoff spot? I think we had questions about goaltending. That was the problem. And we had, can I, yeah. Can I read you this tweet quickly to put? And it's something we talked about with the Devils before. It's from uh, Abby Mastrowko. Two years ago, the Devils rode Corey Schneider, Keith Kincaid, and Taylor Hall to a playoff appearance. Hines was in the Jack Adams conversation, and Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy. Now. The goalies are both in the AHL. Hall is likely on his way out of New Jersey, and Hines is, is fired. Now, we talked about that the worst thing that probably could have happened to the Devils was them making the playoffs a few years ago. Yeah, it it was. It's, I, I still don't get what's wrong with this team, though. I Because on paper, it's supposed to work on... On the ice, it's not working. And I don't know if it's necessarily the goalies that are are still the problem. Because read me those stats again. They're, what place are they for goals for? Oh, hold on a minute. Sorry. I should learn to keep stuff open longer than... Uh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Also, while I'm getting this up to, to make it a bit sound better here, I know that... For sure, the goaltending, if you looked at what happened last night, for sure, it, it's fair to say that goaltending is a problem here. Yes. I like doubt it out. But also, Alex, while I'm trying to figure it out, while I'm desperately trying to find these numbers again because I should have kept this open, uh, I want you to look at P.K. Subban's stats for a bit and tell me how he's doing. Uh, from what I've read, I'm not even gonna. I'm just pulling up his stats now. It doesn't seem like he's doing too well, and that surprises me. Now, when the trade first happened, I thought that the New Jersey Devils potentially got just ripped off. Now we knew 
we talked about before, we knew why they did that deal. It was a matter of cap space so they can bring in Matt Duchesne. But still, okay, I have them up. Five points in 27 games. By the way, he's 29th. The Devils are 29th in goals for. So So that's interesting because do you think that with the team they have, they could potentially outscore their problems? They got Taylor Hall. They have Nikita Gusev, who we we were told was supposed to be a good NHL player and asked for four and a half million before never playing a touching North American ice. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, Hishie, Jack Hughes. Where, where did they go wrong? Well, well, first of all, Taylor Hall only has four goals. Um, That's what I'm saying. They're not outscoring their problems. He he's not looking like like Nikita Gusev. I haven't heard that much about that guy this year. And looking at him, he's got five goals, twelve points. I mean, hey, that's yeah. He's on he's on pace for forty one points. That's a fine little player there. Um, I think maybe we a overrated not overrated. Jack Hughes did not have a great start to this year. Uh, and they talked about how he stayed in the U.S. developmental program for his draft year instead of going somewhere else and how he was the first player to do that. I think P.K., the fact that of only one of his two goals is against a goalie, five points for P.K., I mean, he had 31 last year. He's not the P.K. we all like know and love anymore when it comes to on the ice. Their offense aren't going. Taylor Hall is playing like he's already on his way out. What, sorry, Taylor Hall is playing like he's already been traded, if we're honest. If you look at the way he, he's going. I don't know exactly what Kyle Palmieri has been doing this year. He's another guy who I, I haven't really heard about it. He has... he Look, Palmieri is already... He already has 10 goals. That guy's going to score 30 again. So I don't know if it's just their their depth or everything is going wrong with them. Everything. All their stats are at the bottom of the league. Maybe we overrated some of the players they got, Gusev, PK, and we didn't put enough emphasis on the goaltending as well because you can get you get away with a lot when you get a save, Alex. But when would they haven't got a save? When was the last time they got a save? Um, the last time well the year they made the playoffs when Keith Kincaid turned into the second coming of Patrick Wall. And, you know, right. Yeah, I should have said uh, the other one, but he's overrated. But yeah, like since and before that was before Corey Schneider's injury problems. So and that's the problem they didn't address their goaltending needs, and now they've dug themselves they've dug themselves into a hole that they cannot get out of. No, it's not. No, it it. They. It's not like they're like the sends of a few years ago with the Sharks. So they've traded their pick. They have the assets. They're going to get a lot for Taylor Hall, but maybe this is... Is it fair to say this is all worse because we thought that the Devils are going to be something special? We all overrated them, and this is really where they should have been all along? But that's the thing. You look at the players they have. in the Yeah, we probably overrated them, and the reason behind it is we look at the players they have on paper, and you look at players like Taylor Hall, uh, Nico Hishie, Jack Hughes, uh, Damon Severson, P.K. Subban, Sammy Vatnin, Will Butcher. Those players are supposed to be good. Not, 
and right now the the team does not look good. It's a problem. And I don't know what their plan is. On my notes, I wrote, is it time to blow it all up? And the reason I ask I ask this is because I have their I have their cap friendly page up. They have a couple players on expiring contracts, a couple players with a couple years left who they could potentially get something for. Now we know Miles Wood is on the block. Obviously Taylor Hall. Could they go move a Wayne Simmons? Would they want to move a Kyle Palmieri? Would they consider moving? I, I don't know if PK... Do you think a team would take PK Subban for th- the next three years at $9 million? Not at 9 no. The only reason the Devils took it, like, the Devils ended up getting him was because they were the only team that could take the full cap hit. Okay, so do you think they would consider Ray Shiro would consider blowing it up because based on his comments, I don't know if you've read them, but he go apparently he said we can't make a five foot pass, and he openly but he said I don't think there's any one player that is performing even at the level let alone above that we'd expect or maybe they'd expect, and that's the thing that's disappointing. Maybe then I I think it is time to blow it up then. I, I what really does it blowing it up mean? What does blowing up mean? Can you pull up your cap their cap friendly for me? I will do that right now. Because there's a lot of young players on this team. They have the they have Nico Hishier, who they just signed to an extension. They have someone like Jes- Jesper Bratt. Jack Hughes, obviously. Pavel yeah. Zaka's 22. I have it up. What do you want to know? What t- What players on this team do you trade that would blow it up? Uh, first of all, you may have heard of him, Taylor Hall. Yeah. I doubt you can trade Travis Zay- Zajac. Uh, Wayne Train Simmons. Okay. You, Kyle Palmieri has two years left, so I don't know if... if if, but he also has a uh, eight-team eight no-trade list, but I'm sure you can get a law for that guy. But he's one of the guys that have been good. Uh, Nikita Gusev, I mean, I, uh, he's been fine. Maybe he does even better on another team. We talked about Miles Wood. He's got three years at two point um, at 2.7. But again, he's 24. Pavel Zach is 22. Blake Coleman's 28. Um, the rest, you know, I'm looking at it now, and I mean, like, the only guys that you can trade that's a quote-unquote blow-up, you don't trade Andy Green, what's his real value? Vatnin's got 4.8 a year left. So I think it's the guys we've talked about. It's PK, it's Taylor Hall, Wayne Simmons, and I think we throw in Sammy Vatnin. Okay, so at this point, what what could the Devils get for PK Sube? Because it's obvious that he was at a low point. They were trading him at a lower value when he got traded from Nashville. I would argue that it's even lower now. Uh, Alex, we've forgotten about one thing, though. I think I know why the Devils have been really bad. Tell me. Connor Carrick has been on the IR. Oh, God. Um, I miss him. I don't know what you get for PK anymore. I really don't. I mean... Because this was supposed to be the year where PK Friedman kept saying PK's pissed off. He's gonna 
Uh, he's gonna. He has fire up his ass. He's gonna do something. The year Price was hurt and PK PK was the only force Montreal had. He was still fantastic then, and that was that was a bad team, Alex. That was a uh, that was that was the year they got Mikhail Sergachev. That's how bad they were that year. So PK is used to being the only guy, and he's just not doing it anymore. So I have I have no clue what you get for him anymore. If it was what a second and two like C plus B minus prospects. I don't know what you get for him right now because a no team is going. To, what's the the famous Elliot Friedman thing? They don't throw you um, life rafts. They throw you anchors when you're down there. And there's no team that is closer to the bottom and needs a life raft more maybe than the New Jersey Devils. Even if they, you know what the thing is with this team is they're going to have to either draft or sign an actual goalie sometime soon because it's obvious that Deming isn't working out or isn't what they expected. They need they still need a starting goalie. They they need someone. The thing is, I think Mackenzie Blackwood, right? He's only 22. I think what New Jersey ends up doing is they're going to end up with some type of tandem like they have in Dallas. And like they have in Boston, whether Blackwood is the one who ends up playing more games or the one who play or plays less games, I think he's the guy that they stick with. But Corey Schneider, no. And nope. they need to bring someone else in. Obviously not this year, because I think this year's just it's over for them. Put it in the bin. I think at this point, and I don't think there's any change. There's going to be no St. Louis here. I don't think anyone's coming up anytime soon. That is going to be a huge game changer for this team. Blackwood's weird to me because I remember he he's 2015 draft. He's second round, and he was the highest rated goalie in that draft. I remember, and he and again he's a goalie, so he's weird. So he could be trash today, Alex, but he could be a Vesna candidate in two weeks. They're goalies. They're weird. No so way. No way he was. Head, no, no, no way he was number one. Ilya Samsonov. Was Ilya Samsonov not number one goalie in that draft? I saw ones that elite that he was it was it was Blackwood or it was him. But I remember most of the stuff I saw was all about Mackenzie Blackwood. But then again, I was started being a hockey fan in 2014, so I don't know if I was going straight after Sam Cosadino and Jeff Merrick my first year as a fan. But I I remember Mackenzie Blackwood. I remember being like, why is no one taking this? But that was before I, I didn't know that you didn't take goalies in the first round anymore. <laughs> in the Spencer Knight around your Vasilevsky. Now, it's, I think I have a question here. And I think I have the answer to it. And I think we're going to have the same answer to it. Hall for all. Yes. No, no. Were the Subban Gusev moves what were they what the team needed? See, I look at Gusev and I don't think he's doing that terribly. Um, PK was a bit of a mess. Gusev, I don't see a problem with. I mean, I, I really don't looking at the stats. But PK was definitely a mistake at this point. Would it would it not be worse without PK, or do you think it'd be just as bad? Uh, dude, uh, you know I love PK Subban. 
he's one of the best people ever, but he has five points. PK is an offensive defenseman, dude. Okay, do you think there's something? This is this is what I said about Barry too, right? But Barry's a, a Barry was a different situation where he doesn't just turn to a, a good offensive defenseman doesn't just turn to mush over a summer. Now with PK, it's a little bit different because he was injured, coming off an injury. Do you think something's still lingering? Because PK's a player just back- doesn't turn. PK has PK has had back issues for a couple seasons now. So you think something's still lingering there because you don't just turn to mush over a summer. See, there's a fa- there's a there's a Andrew Berkshire um there's a really good Andrew Berkshire article or I've heard it's good I've never read it and it talks about PK's decline. I want to read that, but what I get the sense of from guys like him and Mark Dumont is PK is probably a good fourth guy now. Really? And maybe he's just they they're looking at don't I don't want to misquote these guys. So if, if the dear listeners want to go find his article, it's for sports that. But maybe it's just now they're relying too heavily on the guy. But that's because you know what the thing is you say fourth. Fourth guy, and he's making nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. That doesn't look good. They can take the salary though. Right, they can they can take the salary, but what happened? He was a number two, was he not? Would you not consider him a number two? PK. Yes, at some point in his career, number one. So, how old is he now? Oh, PK Subban, man, is thirty years old. Jesus. So I think something is still lingering. Because I don't think you just turn into mush or whatever P.K. Subban has turned into over a summer. I I don't know, man. He wasn't the same last year. The Your back's a real, you know, it's a real female dog to deal with. Right. Oh, you want to move on from the Devils. Anything more to say about them? Nope. All right, well, we've got Montreal, we've got Toronto. What do you want to talk about first? Uh, I can go first, change it up. Yeah, you guys have had a busy week. Uh, yeah, kind of. So, as you you probably know, um, the Marlies had a head coach vacancy for the last couple weeks because one Sheldon Keefe has been promoted. Now, they've just hired Greg Moore. Uh, he was p- a coach for the Chicago Steel at the USHL, or in the USHL. Now, he, I know he talked at a Leafs coach camp. I don't remember what year. But now he is on the coaching staff. And this is something interesting that I think we've I've never seen before is that Dubas announced that uh, Moore is going to spend the next two weeks with Sheldon Keefe and the Leafs coaching staff to learn about the organization and he'll officially take over the Marlies on December 16th. 
I thought that was interesting, and it's something that I personally have not seen before. I don't know about you. No, I, I was very surprised to see that as well. Now, the other thing that's really interesting about about this high, not necessarily the hire, but the hiring process, and Chris Johnson brought this up, that he said, never, I have never heard this type of question asked, and it was about the hiring process they went through. Now, Dubis said, we talked to every employer that Greg has had in his role as a coach and talking to the teams about him from his playing days was relatively easy, being a captain at every level. There wasn't any negative in terms of his character. We also did a full criminal background check in Canada and the U.S., which turned up nothing, of course. That's why he's here. Mm. So I think that this is something... I guess knew that we're going to see in how teams hire their head coach. Yeah. And this is the type of question that they're going to be asked and they better have a darn good answer for this question. So I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before earlier in the episode about the, having an independent body to hear complaints. Now, if you have something like that, is that something potentially uh, general managers or presidents can tap into when they are hiring coaches to see if anything's ever been said about them? Because I think that's an answer to the question that is being asked in what was the hiring process? So this is I don't think something like this has ever been asked or I've ever seen a response to like this before. Uh, now, that's just on the coaching front. Now, it was announced literally as we were recording that Marner is going to return tonight. And I thought that was interesting because he, it comes, I believe... I mean, it's only a couple days, like four days, but it's earlier than we expected to see him back. And I was kind of questioning that, questioning that because when Tavares broke his finger, he came back and it felt like it felt like he was just really slow and he needed to get back in the game. I don't know if if that's a Babcock thing. I don't whatever reason that was, I thought it related to his injury. Now, my thought process on this and is that maybe we should give Marner some more time to, I guess, heal. Because it was an ankle injury, and we've talked about ankle injuries before. They are a nightmare. So is it the smartest thing to bring Marner back this early? And I don't know if the answer is yes. But I guess we'll find out tonight when they play Colorado. You're in for a now, fun... Yeah, I know. Fun night. Now, there's a couple things that I've noticed um, from tonight, or from the last couple games, is that the penalty kill has actually looked a lot better under Sheldon Keefe than under Mike Babcock. And I honestly can't tell you, I don't have an answer as to why. 
because it's Dave Hackstall who's running the penalty kill. So again, coming back to what was going on behind the scenes with Mike Babcock as coach. And that's something I think we might want to know more about. Now, the other thing is that the Sheldon Keefe has coached five or six games at this point. And I think defensive co- defense and defensive coverage is still an issue. And I am not necessarily worried about it because it's how long has Keefe been in? Three weeks? I I think he's going to implement his system. And from the Marlies games that I've watched, I think once this system is fully implemented, I think it will work and we're going to see an actual different team than what we were for the last 20 games or so. But Austin Matthews has literally looked invisible since Detroit, which is a major concern for me. Wasn't this inevitable, though, because he was scoring at such a crazy rate that he was, you know, it was going to balance out and he was going to go cold? Yet, I don't no, I don't necessarily mean from a point standpoint. Yes, on a point standpoint, yes, he's been, uh, he's kind of been invisible. But I think even from a playing standpoint, it he's just hasn't looked like himself. Like I, it doesn't seem like he's very. I don't want to say he's not involved, but it seems like he's not in the play. If you know what I mean. Yes. Now, one last thing, or I have two more things, but this one's interesting. Pierre Engvall has been the player Lee fans have wanted Frederick Gauthier to be. Now, I don't mean it skills-wise necessarily. I mean, he's he's looked like a, a very consistently good fourth-line player or bottom-six player. But he's not afraid to throw a hit. And I don't know if you've watched Frederick Gauthier try to throw a hit. It looks very uncomfortable. <laughs> he looks very uncomfortable throwing a hit because he's just not that guy. But he's a mountain. But he's a mountain. So I think Pierre Engvall's a breath of fresh air for all those people who've been wanting Frederick Gauthier to throw a hit and not look awkward. Now, this was literally just announced five minutes before I started talking. Um, Frederick Anderson will start back-to-back games. He started last night, and he will start again tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. Why? Because you cannot play Michael Hutchinson <laughs> against Colorado, and you cannot play Michael Hutchinson after whatever the hell that was last night. So, Kadri's return game. Marner's back from injury early, and Freddie's playing a back-to-back. Right. Exactly. <laughs> How are you feeling about this game, Alex? What? What is? What is there? Is this just... Is this the type of game where if they get one point, you consider this a win, or? 
I look at this game, if they get one point and they look better than they did last night, that's a win for me. Because that shows, listen, Colorado is not an easy team. Colorado is a very good team. If they can play better than they did last night, that's a win because that shows that Sheldon Keefe is doing something right in that locker room. Shows that he's somewhat somehow motivating those players in some way. If they get one point and look like dog crap, then no, I'm not going to be happy. And it's not any type of win. I would I would love if they get two points because the Atlantic Division, while how crappy it's really looked, it's a it's a mess. It is a mess right now. So they got to step it up if they want to make want to make it in a division spot. You excited to see Calgary back tonight? Yeah, I am. I'm excited. I li- I listen. I I like Kadri. He was a he's pretty much been a leaf ever since I started watching hockey. I've seen a lot of people questioning the trade because of how well Kadri's been doing. And let me remind you that Kadri would not be doing this well on the Leafs because he would not be playing second or first line minutes. And I get and I guess people are coming at this as oh look how look how Tyson Berry has been playing. Well, look at how Tyson Berry has been playing for the last five or six games. Much better than the first twenty under a coach who was obviously restricting him. So how about you wait for the rest of the season to see what's up? Now, Alex, I did put one thing in about the Leafs, but you didn't acknowledge it. Uh, Martin Maritz. Sorry. I didn't see it. Magic Hand Marty. I'm pretty sure they just sent him down. Yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> what did you want to talk about Martin Marinson? See, I have a tweet up. Is that it that about- he survived? he survived everything? Yes, about Magic Hand Marty. He survived the plague, Roby.Island, Mike Babcock. This son of a bitch is scoring the cup winner, isn't he? That's from Twitter user Fear and Arrogance. He has, man. He, he's he been through everything with this team. Yeah. And he, and he was an oiler. Wow. He survived Edmonton. Wow. Yeah. He is... He is a tough one. Okay, let's get to Montreal because I don't have anything else to say about Toronto. You want some breaking news that came out about five minutes ago about the Habs? Yes, I would. They have called up an AHL defenseman, Oto Leskinen. Why? Uh, They sent down um, Gustav Olavzin because he's not been good. Okay. Now, here's what I can tell you about Oto Leskinen. They signed him out of Finland last year. He's a young defenseman. He's Finnish, and he's looked good for the Rocket. There was word he was going to get a call-up sometime this year, so I'm actually, yeah, I'm very happy about this. So just some quick stuff. But yeah, the Habs won! I forgot Okay, when- I'm going to... 
I'm going to let you talk about the win for a couple minutes, but you know we have to get to the inevitable. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, so go talk about the win. There's been so much. Like, there's a lot of hab stuff that's happened over the past few days, but yeah, they they go in. They're, they're at home last night. It's the captain's night. Everyone's there. You know, all, all the captains are there. Like, they honored them all. The only ones who are alive and couldn't make it were Henri Richard. Uh, because obviously he's in very poor health nowadays. Uh, best wishes to him, obviously. Uh, Guy Lafleur, because of course he's also recovering from heart surgery. Max Pacioretty couldn't be there because you know he's playing. Uh, they still mentioned him. And he got a round of applause. Saku Koivu was there, who might be the most beloved Hab of all time. They did a a, a picture of the 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 um of all the players and all the Finnish Habs went around Saku Koivu. So yeah, they they played a really good game, probably their best defensive game of the year. They completely shut like. The Islanders had no chance in this game. Which they were talking about Hockey Central, and you know, I haven't listened to the full show either, but they were talking about how the Islanders are on a bit of a dry spell. But I don't care, you beat the Islanders in regulation, which they don't, doesn't happen a lot. Price was good. And just everyone was fantastic. It was a, it was a great night, Alex. The penalty kill looked really nice. Uh, they, they, I, I don't know what to say. It's just they, they put it all together. And they, they came together as a team, and they won. They got lucky with the last-second goal for Phil Deneau in the first period. Brendan Gallagher did Brendan Gallagher things to get the second one. And, yeah, it's just it's really nice. Shea Weber played 29 minutes. Ben Sherratt has played 30. And, and Ben Sherratt has been so good this past few games. I don't know how, but Ben Sherratt's amazing. So, besides Ben Sherratt, what... Has looked different. Okay, let's say from last night compared to the last eight games. So it's weird about if you ask me about all the games, right? So first of all, I think of the Columbus and the uh, the Ottawa game where they should have won. They played a forty good minutes and then they came apart. Same with the Bruins game. Same with the Rangers game. So I think the big difference last night was they played a full sixteen. Or sorry. They played a solid 57 minutes last night. There was a bit of a scare towards the end of the game, but they they played the full game minus about two minutes. So that was that was the difference. They played well in their own zone, and they gave they went back to their style of going in that they went back to giving the Islanders hell. They used their speed. It was they they went back to the Habs that we knew that they were. And they got a good save. <laughs> okay, so now, do you think this way of play now that they figured it out for one game, does that continue to Thursday's game against Colorado, Friday's game against New York, <laughs> next week's game against uh, Pittsburgh, and and on and on and on. Does that style of play continue, and is it consistent? Well, and you know what, Alex? That's a million-dollar question. Uh, I think that this is going to do wonders for them. This win, well, first of all, any win does it, but when you're on a losing streak like this, there's going to be motivation, right? And looking at the Bruins game in this game, Carey Price has picked up the last two, which is insane like to see the only problem i have is Caden, you know keith kincaid was sent to the the minors so he can play some games so now they've, they have Caden primo 20 years old probably one of the best prospect like goalie prospects in the league he'll play one of those games it'll probably be the rangers 
which is worrying. Now, the advantage they have is Colorado will be coming off a back-to-back against Toronto. So they're going to play the night before. The Rangers, the Habs, should have a fire under them after that stupid collapse. There's going to be extra motivation there. The same going on to Pittsburgh. So it, I, I believe that this team will use this motivation. The only question for me is with the loss of Victor Mete, who's out for the next two weeks, which is heartbreaking, is can a guy like Ilo Leskin, who they call him, can Ben Chirache, Weber, Jeff Petrie, continue to carry the load? And, of course, we're still mid- – by the way, uh, last night was their first win since Paul Byron and, uh, and Jonathan Drew were hurt, by the way. Uh, and also, the rest of the forwards need to pick it up to continue to make up for those injured players. Okay. So, what? Because I feel like, and, and I don't know if you get this sense, because I see it done a lot in Toronto, that, oh, we won a game, or, oh, uh, this guy got a goal, or this guy um, won, a, uh, won, won us a game, that we're just... We kind of push away the inevitable. Now, we talked about it, or we've been talking about for the last couple episodes, that something needs to change. I'm not necessarily saying Claude Julian needs to be fired. I'm not necessarily saying something needs to... What I'm saying is something needs to happen. Whether that is uh, Claude Julian needs to make a line change, or Claude Julian needs to to change make a tweak in a system or needs to tweak something in the power play or have something get tweaked in the penalty kill. Something needs to change, right? Whether it comes from the coaches or comes from management. Would you, would you agree that just because they won a game that something still needs to happen? Uh, Alex, a big part of this right now is I'm happy that they finally, and you know how much I hate the Islanders. So there's a good bit of motivation right now. Now, there was a tweet that I see you have here from Andrew Berkshire. And there has been a lot of talk about Claude Julien losing his job. For some reason, people are asking Bob Hartley and Patrick Waugh, and both of them talked about Claude Julien. Now, I was critical about Julien. I am. But what I failed to look at is what other options does he really have? So... When it comes to coaching, anyone who is saying to fire Julian or who was trying to say that a Bob Hartley, Michelle Therrien, or Patrick Wall would be better, um, there's a reason all those guys are either an assistant or don't coach in this league anymore. And Claude Julian is a good coach. So, Alex, what I'm going to tell you this is I still believe, and I talked about the defense still being a question mark even without Victor Mete. Even when he's back, it's still a question mark. So Bergevin has to make a move. There's there's no more of this stalling, Alex. It has been the same thing in Montreal for the past three, four years. They have cap space. They have assets. They need to improve the left side, something they have not done since they lost Andre Markov, Alex. So like, it, it is time for Bergevin to make a move. I want to go back on something you said about Claude Julien because it's something I personally saw in Toronto. And you, you say that... Claude Julien is a good coach and that there's no real alternative or you don't think there's alternatives out there. And, and I guess Toronto was in a bit of a different situation because we knew who they wanted to bring in and we've basically just all been waiting for it to happen. But I don't think you could, I don't think anyone ever argued that Sheldon Keefe is 
as good or better than Mike Babcock, right? No one ever said that. So it's not necessarily about being a good being a, a good coach or as good as your current coach or better. It's sometimes just a matter of bringing in a new voice. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes in Montreal. I don't know if it's there's something go if if the players aren't listening to Claude Julian. I don't know what the relationship is there, but for those eight games, it seemed like they weren't because they were playing a different brand. It, it seems like they're playing a different brand of hockey than they were from the previous twenty or so games. See, I'm just I, the reason I bring up Hart. With Montreal, it's always weird because you, for some reason, you need to be you need to speak French. And, I mean, is there an option in Yoel Bouchard? Yeah. Do I believe that this team has 100% given up on, on Claude Julien's system? No, because, yes, have there been times when they stopped playing? Yes. But in the games against your Columbus, against the Boston, the games where they started playing the 40 minutes and gave up and give up, they were still playing the style. They just And I, there is some similarities to Toronto where they ended up just giving in. And... I don't think it's exactly the same thing as in Toronto because I, I just I don't think Claude Julien's nowhere near as stubborn or, you know, as much of a bad person as we seem to be like Babcock is. But I, I don't I don't know, Alex. It's everything I've seen from guys like Mark Dumont and that it's it's that, it's that Claude Julien is not the problem. I, I just I'm not prepared to say and your thing of a new voice, I just I don't think it's at that point in Montreal. Now, ask me what this is going to be like in a few weeks. I may have a different answer, but I just, right now, I would, I'd fire Julie. Um, I'd fire Bergeron before I would fire Claude Julie at this point. Maybe that's just, I just have too much hope of Claude Julie, and I've, or maybe I'm just too optimistic that my team finally won a game, but I'm not at the stage to say Claude Julie needs to go and this, this team needs a new voice to be on the bench. Okay, so I guess I, I want to go more on on Mark Bergevin. Is if he okay? Hy- theoretically, hypothetical. If Mark Bergevin does not make a trade, and let's say the Canadians miss the playoffs by two points again, or they're they're very close, he's gone. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. They so, this, this market doesn't know he's gone. So what does he need to do to keep his job by the end of the year? He needs to do something, Alex. Something. That is not a fourth liner or a sixth defenseman. Right. He needs to improve that defense. If he okay, if he makes the playoff, if they make the playoffs and let's say they get eliminated in the first round, but they don't do anything. Is that just a matter of ex- he's just extending his life in Montreal because if he's not going to do anything, I don't think it does anything good for this team. And and I'm and I'm I'm not I'm coming to you as just a hockey fan that you look at this team on paper is okay. Are they a superstar team yet? No, but they have quite a bit of potential. You look you look at the players they have and you look at the players coming up. You're looking at they have a superstar goalie, which most teams don't have. 
you look at their back end, they have a right-handed defenseman, a very good right-handed defenseman, which is a commodity in this league. And you look up front, you have players who can play. What are you missing? Someone who can play on the left side who's not Victor Mete. And I'm sorry, Ben Sherratt is not a 30-minute or anywhere close to a 30-minute defenseman. Oh, God, no. And they need a finisher up front. And they need a, a finisher up front. But I think if you're n- listing priorities, it has to be it has to be a left-handed defenseman first. You know what, Alex? You know what's it, it's a very funny. This has been a little thing. When they drafted Cole Caulfield, there was a clip when they talked to Claude Jewel, and he said, good, I like it. Get me more goal scorers. And it's not the first time he said it. And it's not been the last time since he said like he, Claude Julian wants a goal scorer, but it seems like they're looking at at a score. And you know what's in, in cre- also very frustrating, Alex. I've just described to you two things they need: a left-handed defenseman who's good in both zones, maybe more in the defensive zone than than in the offensive one, and they need a finisher. Okay. Now. You know where Mark Bergevin was over this little stretch, right? Yeah, he was talking to Alexander Romanov. As well as uh, young Okolov, the other prospect that they, they apparently they're fighting Toronto for. Now, what's really funny is um, Romanov only played eight minutes at the game he was at. And we all know that the KHL hates it when it's it's uh, when NHL teams take their players away. Now, Romanov decides that he, he's going to wait until the end of the year. Decide where he's going, and at the same time, he's going. He's been named to um, Team Rush for the World Juniors. The point I'm making here is that's your defenseman, and your your finisher is Cole Caulfield. Now, Cole Caulfield plays for Massachusetts, and they're not good. Wisconsin, so the Wisconsin Badgers in the NCAA. So these two players that they need could be those two, but you're not going to get them till next year. And I think Dumont wrote a piece about this. Is because of Shea Weber and Carey Price, the Habs can't go through a traditional traditional re, um, rebuild. So it, it's just, I, I, it's such a tough situation. I don't know what they're going to do because they have the players in their system that are going to turn into those players, but they have to do it on the fly. But we we've talked about this before: is that they're at the end stage of the rebuild, right? They've done they've done the the dirty work they they're wait they're ready for something the players that they have are they have quality players they have prospects they have the picks it's they need to use those picks and i don't and like we were talking about before i don't think having saying oh we could get romanov next year is good enough for if you're you're ready to make the play, the Montreal Canadiens are ready to make the playoffs. All you need is a left-handed defenseman. If even if you don't get your if you don't get your goal scorer, sure you can wait a year or two for Cole Caulfield. That's not a big deal. But I look at the depth you have on the left side, outside of Romanov, and I don't think that. That's really stopping. That I think is really stopping you from going to the next level. Well, you know what, Alex? I wouldn't be surprised if if he doesn't get injured. If Alec Martinez isn't isn't a hab by now, 
Yeah. Yes, and we've talked about before. He was one of the guys that the that the Canadians were looking at, and it was reported that they were looking at uh, Gosha Spear, but Friedman said that those rumors were denied. Okay. Is I and I I look at what is is Mark Bergevin looking at. It, because I and I get your point on Romanov that sure he could come next year, but oh no, Alex, I'm not saying wait. I'm just pointing out my frustrations that they have the players, but the because of the position the team is in, being on a retool, it's it's that much more frustrating. Trust me, no one wants them to hurry up and make a move more than me. But does Mark Bergevin not think his job like? Does he have assurance that? If they don't make the playoffs this year, that his job is he's still the GM. Because the fact that he's not out there pursuing someone or it's not being reported, it's it's worrisome because now, oh, we're waiting for the prospects. We're waiting for the prospects. What happens if Romanov doesn't come to Montreal? Oh, I don't want to think about it, but it's not good. Right, that's a problem, and and I'm not I'm that's not I'm not suggesting he's not going to come to Montreal um, next year, but moving from the KHL ice to North American ice doesn't always go well. Oh yeah, I can yeah yeah. Oh hello there, Igor Korshkov and Igor Zaitsev. Well, Igor Korshkov's actually been quite good in the AHL. Oh, is that where he is? Why did yeah. I not exist anymore? But anyway, you mean you mean Igor Ozhiganov? Yes, yeah, sorry, not sorry. I was not Korshkov, not the prospect. Sorry, no, yeah, yeah that's my fault. And Vladim Chipichov. Oh, I don't. I can't even say that guy's name. The guy's name. Right. So there's. Different factors, and that's not the only thing that concerns me with this team. And we've had this discussion. This is my last kind of point here: is can Keith Kincaid got waived, and I don't understand why, because we both we were having a conversation, and you said that the Canadians need to make a move. They need to do something after losing eight games. Uh huh. And. Their response was sending Keith or uh, putting Keith Kincaid through the waivers. Yes. That's not good enough. It is not. It it's and 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 I listen, I don't know but much about Caden Primo. I get most of it from you. But I'd be worried to put Caden Primo in front of this team. And the reason behind it is, is they've gone through an eight-game winless streak. And yes, they've won one game, but we haven't seen this team play consistently for what ten game, almost ten games. See, uh, this is what I thought was going to happen. I well, first of all, I don't know if you remember. I don't know if I talked to you about this, but I actually really didn't understand the Keith Kincaid signing at first because I thought they were going to give the job to Charlie Lindgren, who. Say what you want about his AHL numbers. He is a 9-10 safe percentage in the NHL if you add them all up. Um, ladies and gentlemen, like 9-10 is not bad. It, I mean, I hate to say it, but right now it's better than what Carey Price is. 
It's and so when I and Charlie Lindgren was pissed off. He he said it outright to Mark Dumont about the call. So I understand why they called up Kane Primo. So what I thought was going to happen was Kincaid would play, and they would just ride Price for a bit, and then send down Primo afterwards, just like as a stop holder because they didn't call up Lindgren. Now apparently Primo will play one of the back to backs, and, and I don't understand it. I think a lot of people saw that as they're trying to do something, showing that they're doing something without doing anything actually. Which is very frustrating. But I, I agree with you. I don't. It is. A, it is a mistake to me to call up Caden Primo. Now, do I think one game is going to ruin everything for him? No, but I, I'm perplexed why they didn't do it with Charlie Lindgren. Who because I, I the, the the thing is, I I look at uh, young goalies coming the coming into the NHL. Um, I look at someone like Carter Hart. Now, I don't know what Caden Primo's potential is and it what it compares to to Carter Hart. But I also look at Michael DiPietro, who came in last year on an and I get it was an emergency oh, yeah. emergency loan, but he got shelled. He got killed bad. in that game. He got killed. That was bad. Uh I don't remember who the Canucks were playing. And I don't know if that's something that the Canadians would necessarily want Primo going through right now. Yeah, I don't understand it. I really don't. Uh, I, can I, 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 sorry, can I bring up that that the tweet that you have here in this thing from Andrew Zadowanonski? Yeah. So, because it, it's a thing against Bergeron, it says a lot of blame coming Bergeron's way right now. He's in a difficult situation where top free agents don't want to come to Montreal despite rich offers. This open market tilts away from Montreal and impacts their ability to be a top team in the league unless drafting is perfect. Okay, Alex, do you know what I want to say about that? So, that is as silly as the fact as as Boba Fett has fallen into the Sarlacc pit multiple times. Okay, that's not a good enough excuse anymore. Sebastian Alho signed an offer sheet. He agreed yep. to come, but you didn't put enough effort into it. Jake Gardner, I give you, that's for like Jake Gardner didn't want to play in the big market anymore. I completely understand why he didn't want to do that. John Tavares gives more effort, like more thought to coming to Montreal if you weren't trash. I'm going to tell you this, Alex. A winning team makes you overlook a lot of stuff. Taxes? Oh, for sure. Like 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 Tyson Berry or Jake Muzzin, like one of the, whoever which one of them they decide to resign. You think for sure that like the Leafs won a couple rounds are going to ignore the money they could get somewhere else? For the love of God, like no, like this isn't how it works. So like I don't like I don't give any credence to Bergevin is at a disadvantage. Every other team is. Well, guess what? You're you're one of the few teams who can front load a deal, dude. I don't like you didn't try with Aho. Of course, Tavares. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. Tavares wasn't going to come here. The state the team was in 1718, and the only time that he bothered to try and really swing it for agency divide beside Tavares was Carl Olsner, and look how that ended up. So it's it, I I I'm at the point where I'm no longer blaming Cole Julian, but I mean he he did deserve some crap over that stretch. But now it, it's up to the pressure, deservedly so, should be on Mark Bergevin. And I find it funny. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, I think right now, I think there's still a little bit of uh, blame to go towards uh, Claude Julian if this inc- if the inconsistency continues. But I re- I do think that a lot of this blame needs to go towards 
uh, Mark Bergevin. And it's funny because we haven't really heard much from Mark Bergevin or Jeff Molson. And we usually do. Yeah, thank God. I thought that was an that was that was something interesting that we haven't really heard a lot coming from both of them. To be fair, Bergevin's been in Russia for this whole stint, so I think that's why. Yeah, that it's a it's a tricky situation in Montreal right now. As it always, you know what they say: when it's good in Montreal, it's great. When it's bad in Montreal, it is. Uh, it's it's like. If if Darth Vader threw you down a giant thing of lightning and that it's terrible, but then you return for hopefully will be a good sequel. Anyway, that that wasn't my best Star Wars reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, I'm looking at Twitter right now, and so far I don't see anything. Can we um? Oh, listen to this. Cody CC's five on five results. I'm sure you saw this from James Myrtle. Thirteen. Per- How do you get one percent expected goals? I don't know, man. I don't know. Ooh. I don't want to talk about Cody Cece. But hey, it's um did you see Max Domi fell and like Chris Chelios pretended to beat him up? Yes, I saw that. That was <laughs> funny. <laughs> oh, we forgot to bring up Chris Chelios and Mike Babcock. Quickly, uh Chris Chelios, Cody Franzen saying sorry, no saying that Johan, Johan Franzen Fr- like verbally abused by Mike Babcock. What are your thoughts on that quickly? I mean, it's just another story that's come out. Uh, it's tacking on, not ta- not in tacking on in a negative way, but it's just adding on to the story, and the and it's kind of confirming the other stories that we've heard, mm-hmm. in a way. Now I haven't. It's it's on my uh, it's on my phone. I haven't got to listen to the Spring Chicklets episode yet, but I, I I'd like to. I'm going to take a listen to it. And I'd like to hear what Chris Chalios has to say because I, I don't know if you read, but there were quotes from Johan Franzen uh, just after after the Chalios interview came out and came out, and it it doesn't seem like it was too good. And I don't know if you want to get into it right now or um, or next episode, but it really makes me question. Yes, Mike Babcock, the person. I don't know if I necessarily question Mike Babcock, the coach, because I have been hearing. It seems like I'm hearing different things that, yes, Mike Babcock was a bad person and a bad coach. But I've also been hearing that Mike Babcock was a good coach, but a really bad person. And it makes me question what was going on with the Leafs necessarily behind the scenes like what's their thought process because brendan shanahan played for mike babcock not for long but he was there he knows what happened i'd find it hard to believe that lou knew nothing uh, knew nothing of what mike babcock did especially since we know of how small that the coaches the 200 hockey men i find it hard to believe that no one else knew what was going on. It makes you question Lou even more. It makes me about him. It makes me question. And the thing is, I don't necessarily want to put the blame on Brendan Shanahan, but at the same time, I want to, I, I do put some blame on Brendan Shanahan, but I think he's 
based on some of the decisions that I've seen him make, I think he's not necessarily moved past it, but has made decision has made better decisions. And it comes back to the day Mike Babcock was fired and the letter he released in what was in what was said and who was emphasized in that letter from Mike Babcock in uh-huh. Lou, Morgan Riley, and Larry Tannenbaum. Yes. And it was quite explicit that Larry Tannenbaum was the reason Mike Babcock came to Toronto, or that's what it felt in the letter. So it comes to me, it, it, I come to question who is not necessarily in charge, who made the, who made the big decisions? Was it Larry Tannenbaum that said, we're getting Mike Babcock? And was it Larry Tannenbaum who said, no, you cannot fire Mike Babcock? When it was reported that Dubis had asked to, or there was rumors that Dubis asked to, fire Babcock at the end of last season. Well, so uh, that's that's pretty much my my spiel on it. Well, I think that's everything. Twitter is nothing new. Uh, just going through all that. There's a picture of Pierre Lebrun cleanly shaved about he's going on Radio Vancouver and that. We want to talk about Vancouver next episode. Yes, yes, we can. We never talked about them. You know, Alex, I'm actually really excited. I'm going to watch your game tonight. Who's wait? The Leafs game? Yeah. No way. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Um, just because wow. I, I, I've, I haven't watched an Avalanche game, so I've never watched Kale McCarr. Wow. And you, all you do is talk about him. Yeah, because you know what's really funny, Alex? That I mean, I think I know as much about the Leafs as I do the Habs. Just because I live in Toronto and, you know, Hockey Central and you and Steve Dangle podcast and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I, I watched my first Steve Dangle video in a couple weeks because, like, because I'm not a Leafs fan. I like, obviously, I like to watch his videos when they lose more because it's more funny. Yeah. Can't argue with that. You can't. Well, Alex and the listeners, if you guys liked this episode of the 2 in 1 podcast, subscribe to it you should rate you should review of course share it with your friends your family the people you don't like too because they may like us that will bring you guys together uh if you have a girl you like or a guy if they like hockey why don't you be like hey there person we should bond over this hockey podcast and yeah uh, <laughs> check out the uh, <laughs> um, uh check out the the show's instagram and youtube page as well as my youtube page Awesome. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Check out Daniels. We're not going to put his stuff in until he shows up, but, you know, figure yeah, it out. Two, Go back. I think a week, a week, a week. He's coming back. Oh, yeah, he's coming back soon. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, you know, hopefully we remember to send him prep so he knows what to talk about. But, uh, yeah. Alex, anything else to say to the listeners? Um, I don't think so. All right. Uh, one last check of Twitter. Nothing else. All right, we're good. Sweet. Bye, people. We love you.